Welcome into the 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett. Got my fresh cut in order to celebrate Brock Tober as the San Francisco 49ers face off against the Cleveland Browns this Sunday, 10 a.m. on the Midwest, East Coast, whatever you want to call yourself, Cleveland. But Brocktober and Brocktoberfest rolls on into week number six of the NFL season. Today, we're going to preview again San Francisco 49ers against the Cleveland Browns. The Niners come in 5-0, coming off a three-game homestand in which they won every single game. They are one of two undefeated teams still remaining in the NFL. This is their first Midwest East Coast road trip, whatever you want to call it, 10 a.m. start since week number one against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And one of the bigger questions coming into this week is off a three-game homestand back on the East slash 10 a.m. schedule. Uh, is there going to be a slow start? We'll dive into that. The Browns come in 2-2 two and two coming off the bye week. You'd think they'd be a little healthier. You'd think they have the extra week to prep for this game. But in fact, they're extremely banged up. We'll dive into all of that in just a few seconds. Want to kindly ask you to like, share, subscribe, and leave a review on the podcast. Leaving a like is an easy, free way to help the show. Leaving a review is an easy, free way to help the podcast on the audio platform. So go ahead and do that. You can always take back your like at the end of the video if you don't actually like the content. But one like right now certainly helps push the video out there to other people. And let's dive into this game. Sunday, 10 a.m., Cleveland, Ohio, Niners against the Browns. I believe the last time these teams have actually played against each other, if I'm correct here, was 2019 when Nick Posa and Baker Mayfield faced off for the first time at Levi Stadium. It was supposed to be the Browns coming out party. Prime time, they had Jarvis Landry, they had Miles Garrett, they had OBJ, Baker Mayfield. That was supposed to be the coming out party. San Francisco said, no, no, this is our coming out party, which of course led to them having a 13-3 record that year and the number one seat in the NFC. This Sunday, kind of a different story because, like I said earlier, San Francisco being 5-0, Cleveland being 2-2, and and San Francisco, by all, really by everyone's measure, has been the best team in football through five weeks, it's them in Philadelphia atop the NFL, atop the NFC, and it's kind of a, a one-man race, I could say, to the NFC crown, albeit same record. The way the San Francisco 49ers have won football games has just been different, averaging over 32 points a game coming into this week against the Cleveland Browns in week number six. The Browns, on the other end, have not been so great offensively. They currently rank 26th in the league per DVOA. They're the 29th best running team and the 31st ranked passing team. Uh, they also rank 29th in turnover differential at minus seven. This team is one of the least efficient teams in football when it comes to uh, offensive play. They can't pass well. They can't run well. Now, of course, they did lose Nick Chubb early this year to just one of a, a few catastrophic injuries we've seen so far early in the season. It stinks. 
It sucks. I hope he gets healthy. I hope he actually gets back to where he was because when you don't have one of the two best running backs in football, it's going to hurt your run game and actually pass game production. So Nick Chubb not going to play in this game. It looks like at this moment, Deshaun Watson has not practiced all week long. Uh, and it seems like he's not going to play on Sunday either. So no starting running back. Seems to be no starting quarterback, and I could argue that while, yes, not having Nick Chubb and Sean Watson are major absences, the Cleveland Browns may also not have Joel Batonio, who is one of the best left guards in football. Not having him certainly changes their offense, so three offensive starters have yet to practice this week, and even David Njoku who had this, a catastrophic burn uh, to his face, played uh, two weeks ago. Uh, he didn't practice today, so uh, the Browns are extremely banged up. Their offense may have four starters off the field when it comes to 10 a.m. on Sunday morning, and if Deshaun Watson can't go on Sunday, it's going to be P.J. Walker, not uh, DTR, who played two weeks ago. P.J. Walker going to get the start over him, and um, this does change their entire offense. Now, you do want to give P.J. Walker some credit. Had a handful of nice games with the Carolina Panthers last year um, when they were kind of fighting through the Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield absences, and P.J. Walker did step up and very small sample sizes, and he isn't really, he's not a starting caliber quarterback, but you do have to respect P.J. Walker. Um, again, he's not going to be an elite quarterback. He's not going to be, you know, we're not going to see a Brock Purdy-esque performance from P.J. Walker this week uh, against this defense and this Niners team, but you do want to give him some credit. Uh, while he hasn't played this year, the Browns' offense looks extremely different with Watson and without Deshaun Watson. With Watson, only three games this year. The offense is averaging 24 points a game, almost 366 yards per game, over 150 rushing yards per game, and they've totaled seven turnovers in those three games. With one game, having no Deshaun Watson, They've only averaged three points, 166 total yards per game, 93 rushing yards per game, and they've given the ball away three times. So um, while it wasn't P.J. Walker uh, two weeks ago, uh, not having Deshaun Watson certainly hurts the Browns Sunday against one of the best defenses in football that has a knack for getting the ball back and just forced what, what, four turnovers against the Cowboys last week in prime time. Uh, but it's not just quarterback play. Uh, Jerome Ford, he's going to be the running back on Sunday for the Cleveland Browns. Um, he himself is also coming off of being on crutches for nearly a whole week. Um, uh, he suffered a knee injury two weeks ago. He's likely to play in this game. And I like Jerome Ford, but he's no Nick Chubb. He was supposed to be the pass catching back for this offense. And with no Nick Chubb in the fray, Jerome Ford has to carry the the majority of uh, the load in the backfield being the running back. And so, so far this year, uh, he has 3.7 yards in attempt. That's under four. It's not great for a starting caliber running back. And since Nick Chubb was hurt against the Pittsburgh Steelers in week number two of the season... Jerome Ford went from 106 yards on the ground to 10 carries for 18 yards the next week, and then two weeks ago, nine carries for 26 
yards. This offense is struggling. This offense is injured. And even when their star players are healthy or, or their starters are healthy, it really has not been quite the output you want from your starting caliber players or players that are replacing your stars like Nick Chubb in the form of Jerome Ford. Um, I will say this, he also, I don't want to say is a massive receiving threat, but he can be that. Um, he's averaging four catches a game this year for 25 yards. That doesn't seem incredible, and I'm sure you're laughing right now saying, really, Sterling? <laughs> like, that's a receiving threat. But he do has, he does, excuse me, have two receiving touchdowns this year. So Jerome Ford isn't the best running back. He certainly isn't going to be Nick Chubb light. Um, I can argue he's a bottom, you know, 15, 16 running back so far this year. And I can argue that on half the teams in the league, he probably wouldn't start. Um, but as of now, he's the best Cleveland has to offer. And you have to give him some credit. You have to give them you know, uh, he can hurt you when it comes to at least scoring touchdowns at the goal line in the red zone. But this offense at the moment is struggling even getting there again with no Deshaun Watson only averaging three points a game uh, and the Amari Cooper factor. Um, I don't want to say this lightly. Amari Cooper is one of the best receivers in football. The fact that Cleveland got him for like a fifth round pick is one of the biggest trade steals in a long time. Um, just incredible as to the production he puts out on the field for them. He is a true number one receiver, in my opinion. If he isn't number one to you, he certainly is the best number two receiver in football. Um, unless you want to count Debo in that category, which I wouldn't. Um, but Amari Cooper is extremely good. The difference is, uh, with Deshaun Watson, he's an entirely different receiver because they just can't get him the football. Uh, this offense, again, it can't run very well without Watson on the field, um, and they cannot pass the ball very well. Now, let's give the Browns even more credit here. You have to assume P.J. Walker is going to play better than DTR two weeks ago. He's been in the league for a handful of seasons, been a backup for a handful of seasons. He at least knows uh, how to... I don't want to say win football games, but he at least knows how to play in the NFL. He isn't a green behind the ears rookie making his first start. PJ Walker is going to be more competent, more confident, and should play better than a rookie in his first NFL career start like DTR did two weeks ago. But if the output Amari Cooper had, even if it's doubled, with P.J. Walker uh, than what he had two weeks ago with DTR as a quarterback, he's only going to have two catches for 32 yards. He had one catch for 16 yards in week four with Deshaun Watson playing quarterback. Um, when you don't have Deshaun Watson, who even by his own standards, which I get as a person aren't very high, but, <laughs> but as a player, um, he wasn't playing amazing football this year, but he was playing Dak Prescott, Kurt Cousins-esque style of football, which is who he is now as a quarterback. And when you replace that with a rookie or now P.J. Walker, you're going to see an extreme decline in play on the field. And I'm not expecting this Browns offense to be able to do much at quarterback or running back against this Niners defense. Um, this Niners defense is just too freaking good. And... There are concerns that, again, West Coast to East Coast, first time in four weeks, really. They played the Rams in week number two, so this is their first East Coast trip or Midwest trip, Northwest trip, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> um, in four weeks. Uh, and there is maybe a concern of it's a 10 o'clock game, uh, an emotional primetime game 
against the Cowboys last week, but um, it's not as if this team isn't rested. Elijah Mitchell's healthy again. Aaron Banks did practice today. Um, this team is completely healthy with no injuries, a knock on wood, and this Niners team is rolling. It's not as if they're coming in off an, you know, a hard-fought victory over the Cowboys. It took them four quarters to get there. San Francisco had that game wrapped up in the third quarter when it was when it, when it was 20 to 10, it wasn't as if it was a 31 to 28 game or 31 30, and it was a game winning field goal from losing. This was a shellacking by the San Francisco 49ers, and it's not as if, again, they're coming in, you know, broken and bruised and bleeding. This team is healthy, they're bandaged up, and they're ready to go for Sunday's game against the Cleveland Browns. But going back to Amari Cooper, um, I just don't know how much of a factor he's going to be in this game because. We don't know what the output or, or we have no idea how well this offense is going to play without Watson. It, it's not been pretty. Um, and again, when you don't have Watson and Chubb and to my next point, when you don't have your starting left guard, Joel Batonio, um, it's going to increase the odds. The offense continues to struggle. Um he is one of the best left guards in football. He's an excellent all-around blocker, passing game, running game. Um, Chris Kosarek, Steve Wilkes, love to run stunts. He is one of the best stunt pickupers <laughs> when it comes to playing left guard in football. He's great at working out of screens and opening up space for running backs out of the backfield. Um, and again, you lose your starting quarterback, your starting running back, and your starting left guard. You're facing... Javon Hargrave and Eric Armstead, this Niners secondary, Fred Warner, Drake Greenlaw, and Nick Bosa. Uh, it's going to be a tough, tough day for the Cleveland Browns offense. And you would like to think that facing this defense with that has, you know, guys who like to hunt like Warner and Greenlaw and has great tackling secondary pieces with a ferocious, aggressive defensive line, a quick game can mitigate a lot of what San Francisco likes to do in getting pressure on the quarterback. And for P.J. Walker, that should be the game plan. But when you don't have your best left guard to pull out for running uh, running plays and get you out on screens, it's going to limit what you can do offensively. And, you know, when Kevin Stefanski tries to help P.J. Walker, uh, you're not going to have one of your bigger aids when it comes to band-aiding not having Deshaun Watson on the field on Sunday. Uh, but if the Browns tend to still lean that way with the quick game and the screen game. San Francisco still has Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw, two of the best linebackers at cleaning up everything underneath. Uh, and they have cornerbacks, Lenore and Mooney Ward, who are some of the best tackling linebacker or cornerbacks, excuse me, in football. Uh, both those players have missed one tackle combined all year long. So, if the game plan for Cleveland is to short game, quick pass, <laughs> there's not going to be much there for the Browns. And the Browns do like to take shots downfield. They're a little more aggressive. But again, um, Walker will do that more than DTR did two weeks ago. But again, when you can't run, this uh, this offensive line is banged up. I, I, I don't see them having a ton of time to take those shots downfield. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Steve Wilkes bring some safety blitzes in this game or, you know, rush five or six to kind of see and test Walker early, see what he's made of. And don't forget, Steve Wilkes 
was P.J. Walker's coach last year in Carolina. He knows how he plays. Um, he at least schemed against him during practice and whatnot, or at least, you know, practice against him. Uh, this feels like a game where San Francisco, even if they start out slow, the Browns are too banged up to hang with them for four quarters. Even if this game is, you know, 3-10 to 10 or 3-13 and 13 at halftime, I would expect the lead to increase to 10-20 to 20 when it's all said and done and San Francisco put up 30 points again. But it's also a game where I would not be surprised if Cleveland only scores 10 points. This offense does not have firepower again I mentioned 30 times already being injured being hurt doesn't help this Browns offense there isn't much creativity when it comes to the offensive side of things I like Kevin Stefanski it's it's a very Shanahan style scheme but I'm just not sure as to what his game plan is going to be because quick game not going to work deep shots not going to have time for and when you can't run the football effectively you can't really utilize play action and this defense is humming. They're the number one scoring defense in football so far this year after five weeks. Um, it's not looking like a, a pretty game for the Browns. The only hope for them would have to be their defense um, playing one hell of a game and just being shut out all night long. And it could certainly happen. We'll dive into how good this Browns defense is in a second. But I want to continue with the Cleveland Browns offensive line struggles. Um they are likely going to have to play a backup left guard on Sunday, but also uh, they're going to have a rookie right tackle, Dewan Jones. Uh, and I like Dewan Jones. Shouldn't have fallen that far in the draft to Cleveland. Um, he is a, has played well so far this year, but the odds of Nick Bosa not getting a sack against a rookie right tackle is pretty, pretty low. I would expect Nick Bosa to have one, two sacks in this game. And again, for the entire offensive line for Cleveland, when you're having to face Hargrave and Armstead and Kinlaw, and even Kevin Givens, who had a great game against the Cowboys last week, those four guys continually push the pocket, free up, can free up space, get pressure, and again, forcing a walker to the edge where Nick Bosa is one of the best edge setters in football. It's going to be a tough outing for this Browns offense in almost every facet of the game. Uh, and I haven't even mentioned Randy Gregory, their new edge rusher. He might get his first action on Sunday. This this Niners defense is really, weirdly enough, improving and going to get better when Sunday comes around. Now, we're not sure how much Gregory is going to play, but even if it's 10, 15 snaps, uh, getting him on the field uh, getting him his first action with Steve Wilkes as his defensive coordinator in this defense will certainly help him later on in the season. And look, Nick Bosa had seven pressures and, a, and really one sack, but only got credit for a half of one last week. Um, this defense is coming off their best performance all year long. Four takeaways, uh, three picks, one fumble. I believe they had four four sacks against the Cowboys last week, and that was supposed to be the biggest test they faced uh, all year long when it came to the offense. Um, I get it, it's the Cowboys, but <laughs> the Niners' defense is playing their best football right now, and there's still room to improve. And against the banged-up Cleveland Browns team that you really don't know what they're going to do because they have so many injuries, and even the injuries they have, they may not have the actual answers for when it comes to band-aiding and filling those holes. Um, this Niners defense, Ufunga being one of the best safeties in football, 
uh, and this secondary being awesome so far. It's going to be a long day for the Browns offense, but um, just going back to the, the Browns offensive line, San Francisco has always prided themselves of winning in the trenches, and the Browns offensive line on paper even without Batonio, is still a good unit, right? They have a strong left tackle in uh, in, in in Willis. They have a, a really strong right side of the offensive line, and you lose Batonio, and really this season, even with Batonio, they've given up a sack on nearly 10% of their dropbacks. That's fifth worst in football. They also have a 37.2% pressure rating, which is sixth worst in in the league um on paper a lot of good names on the field execution wise it's not been really a a good performance so far from their starting five and again you're taking out a starter and you're telling nick bosa go up against a rookie (laughs) on sunday um doesn't feel like it favors the browns really at all and it doesn't help that when you have deshaun watson and two weeks ago uh dtr uh, the Browns quarterbacks are throwing the football, are taking over three seconds to get rid of the ball, which if the scheme, if the game plan is a quick passing game to mitigate a, a strong pass rush, um, the quarterbacks this year for Cleveland have yet to do so, uh, getting rid of the ball at the second slowest rate in the league. So <laughs> you mix bad offensive line play, giving up a uh, sack, nearly 10% of the dropbacks, mix that in with a quarterback room that is extremely slow at actually getting rid of the football. Um, that is a it's a nightmare scenario for the Cleveland Browns. And if you're the Niners, you are California dreaming of <laughs> playing this Sunday because this could be a game where they have two or three, four or five sacks against this Browns offensive line. And even if they want to use the quick passing game and try to again limit or 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 you know, trying to avoid Nick Bosa and Drake Jackson and company. Uh, it's not as if San Francisco doesn't have the the personnel behind them to limit what the Browns want to do offensively. Um, this is a game where you circled it early in the year and said, okay, going to Cleveland after a Sunday night game and Sean Watson, Nick Chubb, oh, you know, this this could be a tough one. At least offensively for the Browns and defensively for San Francisco, uh this should be a tough game. This should be Cleveland's toughest game when it comes to trying to score points offensively. And for the Niners' defense, this might be one of their easiest games so far when it comes to stopping <laughs> the opposing offense. Um, I would assume it's similar to the Cardinals game where, okay, you know, they have one driver so where you go. Well, that's not great. But other than that, this should be a shutdown, lock them up, um, throw away the key game for the San Francisco defense. Um, the Browns do have some weaponry, though. I don't want to ignore the fact that they do have some players. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones and Elijah Moore uh, are going to be their slot and number two receivers. Um, these are solid NFL caliber players, which even a P.J. Walker, who isn't a starting caliber quarterback, can actually feed Amari Cooper, Peoples-Jones, and more and get it into their hands, it's going to make his job a lot easier. I just question as to how is he going to be able to do that. Um, Again, (laughs) these Niners defense is so good. They are one of the best tackling teams in football, and they have guys who want to run around and just knock you down, hit you over, and 
if your Dre Greenlaw wants to, to punch you five times and tackle you after the play. <laughs> so um, I do want to give him credit, but even then, going further with it, their starting tight end, David Njoku, who's having a pretty good season, he didn't practice today. Um, he does and is the ninth-ranked player in yards after contact at 2.88, basically three yards after the catch. But again, if he doesn't practice, it's going to be hard to play. And so really, when you look at it and you say, no Watson, or it seems like no Watson, certainly no Nick Chubb, no Joel Batonio, and no starting tight end, San Francisco's defense is not going to have their hands full with this Browns offense whatsoever. Um, there's always a threat of coming out slow, the Browns offense surprising you, getting a cheap early touchdown and put you on your heels. The difference is, is that that's probably not going to happen. And even if it does happen, uh, the odds of San Francisco putting up points in this game are pretty high, in my opinion. Now, the Browns defense is extremely good, and we'll get to them here in a second. But again, uh, even if you told me that P.J. Walker plays well and Amari Cooper has a fairly nice game and, and they can incorporate Donovan Peoples-Jones and Elijah Moore, I'm sitting here looking at Mooney Ward, Demo Lenore, and Isaiah Oliver, and I'm seeing that Mooney Ward has been targeted 28 times, allowed zero touchdowns, has five pass blocks and one pick, only missed one tackle. Lenore, who was a player that the Cowboys thought they could target over and over again, He's been targeted 36 times this year, given up zero touchdowns, has two pass blocks, one pick, no missed tackles, and coming off his best game of the season with an 85.6 coverage grade against CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, and company. Uh, that was his biggest test of the season, and Lenore passed with flying colors, and even someone where Niner fans have pointed to him and say, he's not great, he's not good, that being Isaiah Oliver, I know against the Cowboys, gave up the only touchdown of the game, but through five weeks against the Steelers, the Rams, the Giants, the Cardinals, and the Cowboys, he is one of the best cornerbacks when it comes to limiting separation in routes. Um, he's on the you know the higher half of football, not perfect, not great, but good, and so there's not going to be much room for error for the Cleveland Browns offense in this game. Uh, they are going to basically have to play perfect to beat San Francisco, and even if this game for the Niners offense is tougher because it should be uh, playing the Cleveland Browns defense in this game, I would assume the Niners defense will likely have the favor <laughs> when it comes to stopping limiting and kind of just holding down the Browns offense. It's going to be a tough game for Cleveland to even move the football. Um, this is a game where I can see just a punt fest from their offense and a player like PJ Walker, who I do like, um, he's going to take chances. You have to in those in that time, if you're San Francisco, you have to make the most of him taking a risk. Um, this this team has one of the best turnover differentials in football, if not the best this year. So uh, this could be a game where they have two turnovers or two, two takeaways, excuse me. And it really is a punt fest for the Browns offense, which brings us to the Niners offense, because 
on paper, again, looking at the injury history or the injuries the Browns have suffered through five weeks and who may or may not play for their offense, we're all leading San Francisco. Everything I've said has basically been saying the Niners are going to win this game. But when you look at the Niners this year on offense and who their head coach is, who their offensive coordinator is, and you see who the Cleveland Browns have on defense, Miles Garrett, Zedarius Smith, um, that secondary, but more importantly, you see who's leading that defense in Jim Schwartz. Now, us here in San Francisco know Jim Schwartz as the coach in Detroit when Jim Harbaugh shook his hand and kind of smacked, pushed him on the back, and then he ran after Harbaugh in the tunnel. They had a big spat after the game, and um, that's the Jim Schwartz that I know very well in San Francisco, but um, Jim Schwartz has made himself and really has always been one of the better defensive minds in the league, uh, spent time in Detroit, spent time in Philadelphia, now uh, in Cleveland this year. Um, and it's weird because you would think San Francisco has been in their bag the past five weeks, putting up 32 plus points a game, putting up 42 against the Cowboys, number one ranked defense last week. Um, you would think that this should be, I don't want to say a walk in the park, but you would think this would be a game where you look at Cleveland and you say, yeah, you know, we should walk over them pretty easily. Um, but thanks to Jack Hammer, Jack's a great guy, a great follow, follow him on YouTube and Twitter. Um, there's great work out there for the, I believe it's the Santa Rosa Press Democrat. Great work out there. Great, great person, by the way. Um, a, a, a good friend, a kind person. Follow him on Twitter and stuff. Um, check out his work. But he put these stats out. Kyle Shanahan is one in eight in the nine meetings between a Shanahan offense and a Jim Schwartz defense, one in eight in their nine meetings. Um, as the Falcons offensive coordinator in 2016, okay, when they had MVP Matt Ryan and they had a 20, 28 to three point lead against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. That Falcons offense averaged 33.9 points a game. Pretty much 34 points a game in their first nine games of the season. Uh, very similar to how much San Francisco is averaging through their first five weeks of the season. Uh, in game 10 of that year, uh, then Eagles defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz, uh, they faced off, and Philadelphia's defense held the Falcons' 34 points a game offense to 15 points in that game, and it was the only time in that season that the Falcons didn't score at least 23 points. So yes, on paper, yes, with the injuries that are coming out of Cleveland, with how well San Francisco is playing, uh, the Browns may have one of the bigger X-factors when it comes to coaching uh, defense, that being Jimmy Schwartz, who by name you wouldn't expect, <laughs> right? But by personnel, who he has, and now he's schemed up the Browns defense so far this year, and the history he has with Shanahan. Um, there's this is going to be a tough game for San Francisco's offense. Now, San Francisco last week played the best defense in football coming into last week, and this week they get to do it all over again. Their second straight week playing the number one ranked defense per DVOA 
The Browns are number one against the run and number three against the pass in the NFL. This is essentially the the rock in a hard place for San Francisco. How do you squeak through the crack that has been, <laughs> that has been the Browns' defense? It's there's really no much room to maneuver. How do you manage to score against the number one run defense and number three pass defense in football, led by a defensive coordinator in Jim Schwartz that has had Kyle Shanahan's number in the past? Um, Schwartz is going to use a, a ton of stunts with their defensive line personnel, loves to blitz, loves, loves to use five-man fronts, and loves, I mean loves, to play cover one and cover three. Um, they're pretty similar to the Dallas Cowboys last week, and I know what you're going to say, well, they put up 42 points, and you're right, but the Browns, in my opinion, are a much better unit of a team than the Dallas Cowboys defense. And um, this Browns team loves to play cover one 63% of the time. And you're going to see a lot of five, six, even eight man fronts in the box. They are going to want to stop the run, AKA stop Christian McCaffrey, who's averaging roughly around five, six yards a carry, although had his worst game against the Cowboys last week. Um, it wasn't as if San Francisco actually needed him to score points in that game uh, with George Kittle scoring three and Kyle Juszczyk scoring one uh, through the air, but this defense is really strong. Uh, Miles Garrett is one of the best, if not the best, edge rusher in football, and you pair him with Zadarius Smith, someone who I said, if San Francisco was uncertain as to who Drake Jackson and Clellan Farrell were going to be this year, uh, go out and get Zadarius Smith for nothing. The Browns swooped him, they acquired him, and this may be the best or one of the best edge rushing, pass rushing duos in football. San Francisco already faced one of these units week one, and funny enough, the exact same division with Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt in Pittsburgh, and that game went San Francisco's favor, uh, and really San Francisco's offensive line didn't play great in that game. TJ Watt had three sacks, pretty fumbled once, but again, they put up 30 points. Um, this Browns defense is better than that Pittsburgh defense, in my opinion. They're much better in the interior, at linebacker, and in the secondary. So you're having two premier edge rushers, Miles Garrett, who right now is the best pass rushing uh, edge rusher in football, has the highest pass rush win rate. Uh, you've seen him during October, during Brocktober, right? Uh, if he sacks a quarterback on Halloween night, he is going to have a, a, a tombstone with Brock Purdy's name on it now. I don't care about sacks. I care about winning the game. So uh, this offense can give up nine sacks for all I care. As long as this ends up in a victory, that's all I care about. You can have your tombstone, Miles Garrett. Give me the win over the the facade of getting a sack uh, on your lawn on Halloween night. But again, to give them respect, even Zedarius Smith has a top 10 pass rush win rate. Uh, this is going to be a massive test for Colton McKivitz and Spencer Burford, who... Had a really good game against the Cowboys last week, who had Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence, only giving up four total pressures and zero sacks, so they're playing their best football right now, but you have to wonder, um, this, 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 excuse me, this Niners offensive line has played extremely well since week number one. 
against the Cowboys, you expected maybe a worse performance didn't happen. Against this Browns team, I, I'm going to expect there to be some struggles in this game. Now, I like to think that with Shanahan and this offense and Brock Purdy's quick release and you having you know a handful of the best checkdown options in football, just like other teams like the Cowboys and like the Rams have tried to limit or prevent the pass rush of San Francisco, I wouldn't be surprised if to avoid facing Miles Garrett or facing the pressure they might bring, you would do the exact same thing to the Browns. And we saw this Niners offense take Micah Parsons out of the game entirely last week against the Cowboys. Uh, we could see something similar, albeit I do think Garrett is a little better than Micah Parsons. Um, but again, tough battle for them. One thing I will say is that many people, including myself, would say that Whenever you have Miles Garrett against Colton McKivitz or Smith against McKivitz, there's going to be a massive advantage to the Browns. Miles Garrett lines up over 50%, 60% against left tackles. San Francisco has the best left tackle in football in Trent Williams. So I get there's fear when you see Miles Garrett and the best pass rush win rate grade in football and Zedaria Smith, a top 10 pass rush win rate against McKivitch, you go, oh my God, uh, boom, Brocktoberfest, Halloween, boo. The reality is Miles Garrett does not line up against right tackles very often. He's more so against left guards and left tackles and San Francisco has, I could argue, the best left tackle and left guard unit in the league right now, I don't think, I believe, neither one of them have still allowed a sack all year long. So, um, that's going to be a fun, just David and Goliath, or excuse me, Goliath and Goliath battle with uh, Garrett and Williams going head-to-head. -head. Williams took out Parsons in their eight plays against each other. Uh, I would expect this to be another, you know, circle them every single play if they are lined up head-to-head -head because, my goodness, that could be fun to watch on film, on tape, and even on Sunday when you're just watching the game. But otherwise, a, a very big test for San Francisco's offensive line. And even then, the interior of Cleveland is really good. Dalvin Tomlinson, Jordan Elliott, Shelby Harris, Maurice Hurst, who was here the past two years and didn't play a single game or, or played one game. Those four men eat up the middle of the field. Um, Aaron Banks is expected to play, um, and but if he can't go for whatever reason, John Feliciano, who the stats might say did play well against the Dallas Cowboys, giving up zero pressures. Um, he only played one quarter against starters, so I think those stats are a little bit skewed um, because the Cleveland Browns this year are the number two team behind the San Francisco 49ers at limiting big plays. Um, they have given up only 18 explosive plays. When I say they're good at every single level, when I tell when I tell you about them stacking the box, wanting to bit, wanting to blitz, uh, having the best interior or one of the best interiors in football, and having two premier edge rushers, this front seven gets after it. Um, they're not going to be a defense that takes away the football. They're going to be more of a defense that socks you in the mouth for three plays and forces you to punt. Um, this team, again, has a minus seven turnover differential. Again, they're not going to take the ball away from you. 
what they are going to do is they're going to punch you. They're going to kick you. They're going to make you broken and bruised and bleed for four quarters and hope they can get you in a slugfest and make you punt every single drive. They are a bend, don't break defense. Um, this is, again, one of the, in, on paper right now, the best unit in football. Uh, San Francisco gets the face. And when I tell you, Dal Dalvin Tomlinson, a name maybe many of you don't even know, he is one of the best interior guys in football. He is going to give um, Brendel and Banks, even Burford on certain plays, a, a handful. And when you know that you have three, four guys on the interior that are great, uh, like Hurst and Elliott and, Tom and, and Tomlinson and Harris, it allows Jim Schwartz, who loves to use stunts, to get Miles Garrett out there doing freaking crossovers like it's basketball or Zadarius Smith on stunts and having him beat your left guards, your right guards, even your tackles. So this is a massive test when it comes to personnel, when it comes to just feats of strength, but also this is going to be a, a, a test of scheme, Shanahan against Schwartz, and, and through their nine games, Schwartz has had the advantage. Now, I'm going to say this loud and clearly, I don't think... San Francisco and Kyle Shanahan have ever had a team this well, dating back to 2016. I get Julio Jones, and that offense was great in Atlanta. I don't think it was this good as they've had in San Francisco, and it's not as if Kyle Shanahan couldn't come in here and just say, I don't care who Jim Schwartz is, uh, and... I would also think that Shanahan views this as a Dan Quinn kind of game. Now, they may not have the history like Quinn and Shanahan have, but you know Kyle Sh Shanahan holds vendettas for years and years and years, especially against those coaches he's yet to win against or has a hard time beating. Um, he's a head coach who likes to make you know he beats you and wants to put up 35 points against you. Um, while, yes, the paper... History might say the Browns, when it comes to Jim Schwartz's defense, had the historical advantage. I would not be surprised if San Francisco scores 35 points and Shanahan's out there looking at Schwartz, staring him down the entire game. Uh, Shanahan takes things very personal. Uh, he is someone who, again, if you beat him nine times, that tenth time, the first time he actually beats you, he's going to make sure he, you know he beats you. Um, so I can easily see that happening. But continuing on here... This is Brock Purdy's second consecutive game against the number one defense in football. Um, he's yet to fail ever. Uh, it's hard to put into words how good Brock Purdy's been. Uh, I try twice a week on the podcast and, and once on 95.7 the game after games on Sundays, but um, it's hard to quantify, to put into words. You, I can read stats all day and... They can tell you he's number one and number two and this and that and the other, but Brock Purdy is a damn good quarterback. Um, he is right now an MVP favorite when it comes to betting odds. Um, he has put himself in a top five, top six, if not number one quarterback conversation as of this season alone. Um, and when you beat the Dallas Cowboys by 42 points with a quarter to spare... It does give you uh, the room to talk your talk. And I think Brock Purdy, the humble man he is, is going to prep extremely hard for this game. Uh, but I do think there is some areas, whereas the Browns defense being as good as they are, I do think there is some areas where the Niners offense can exploit them and maybe even put up 30 points a game again for the sixth straight week. So 
The Browns coming in, uh, played man coverage, 53.7% of their snaps, 54%. Uh, so over half of their snaps playing man coverage in, they allow an insanely low 6.4 QBR. 6.4 QBR. That's incredible. That shows you how good this defense is when it comes to playing man coverage. And while Brock Purdy has had a lot of success against man coverage this year, um, I do think it's extremely important imperative that the Niners can get Christian McCaffrey going, uh, utilize him in the play action, whether it's Mitchell McCaffrey, Mason, check. I don't care who it is, you must get one of those few guys going, at least make them respect those guys on the ground, because if you can get play action working and, and you can start utilizing play action, this Brown this Browns defense gives up 9.5 yards an attempt on play action, which, which ranks 25th in football. Um... This is an opportunity for San Francisco's offense, led by Brock Purdy, CMC, Ayuk, Debo Kittle, and others, to truly exploit the the Browns' defense. Um, the Browns' best offense they've played against, I believe, has been the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> and I like Tennessee. They're a team that is up and down, though. They're wishy-washy. One week is a good offense. Next week is a bad offense. They struggle to find middle ground. And that is the best offense the Browns have faced all year long. Um, so this is a chance, and this is, again, another time for a number one defense in football to place or to play the best offense in football and you know, kind of test themselves. This is San Francisco's second go-round, having a chance to exploit and expose one of the best, if not the best, defense in football on paper. Um Get play action going, you can get almost 10 yards a pop against this Browns defense. And Brock Purdy so far in play action this year is averaging 10.6 yards an attempt, which ranks fifth. So the Browns give up 9.5 yards, pretty much 10 yards a pop. And Brock Purdy averages over 10 yards a pop on play action alone. Um, if there's one area, that's the area right there to exploit this Browns defense. Um, also... We talked, and you know this better than I do probably, when it comes to a Shanahan-style scheme, yes, sidelines are open, yes, there's screens and there's dump-offs, but we know Brock Purdy through, what, I don't know, 14 games now and 10 straight regular season wins has been the best quarterback in the intermediate routes. Where do the Browns struggle? Oh, in the intermediate. Um, they're giving up 8.3 yards after the catch in between the numbers. Um, who do you think on this team is going to be utilized in between the numbers after the catch? Oh, uh, Debo Samuel, yes. Brandon Ayuk, yes. George Kittle, yes. Chris McCaffrey, yes. Um, should I name the entire offense when it comes to um, utilizing them over the middle and getting them space after the catch? Um, it's going to be a game for Debo and Kittle and CMC and Ayuk to continue to do what they do best and be the yak bros. Um, this is a game for San Francisco where I, the Browns this year rank 31st in yards allowed after the catch, 5.81. Again, 
if the middle's open and you're giving up Yak and you want to utilize play action, which seems like staples in the Shanahan-Brock Purdy-led offense, uh, this is the defense to face. It almost feels like every defense this year has struggled over the middle, which should in return make us value Drake Greenlaw and Fred Warner so much more than we actually do. Um, but uh, San Francisco's offense seemingly through six weeks so far has had everything line up in their favor when it comes to our strengths against the opponent's weaknesses this week is no different. Um, yes, the Browns have one of the best run defenses in football. Again, the best against the run. Um, this could be a very Brock Purdy heavy scheme, uh, schemed out day passing the football. But again, um, it's not as if it needs to be a stressful take shots downfield style of game. He can do that. He can certainly do that. 20 yards downfield, 40 yards downfield. Brock Purdy can show. It has shown he can do stuff like that. But again, um, if you cannot tackle, if you're giving up yards after the catch, if you're not good in play action, um, you're almost leaning into what San Francisco likes to do best in feeding the intermediate routes and giving their stars like Debo and Kittle and Ayuk time to, to fight for 5, 10 yards downfield after actually making the six, seven yard catch. Uh, but to give the Browns credit, I, I do not want to take them lightly. Um, already talked about how good their, their defensive coordinator is and, and how good their defensive line is. Uh, they have two strong linebackers, Anthony Walker and Jeremiah Awusu uh, Karamoa, uh, JOK for short. Um, they've been great this year for the Browns. Um, and Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom have also been phenomenal for the Browns uh, being cornerbacks this year. Um, this might be, and maybe had Trevon Diggs not been hurt, but he was against the Brown or the, the Cowboys last week. Had he not been hurt, I wouldn't say this, but since he was hurt, um, this might be with Ward and Newsom the best cornerback combo Purdy's face so far. Um, certainly wasn't the Rams. Certainly wasn't rookies out there with Giants or even the veteran cornerbacks in Pittsburgh. Uh, it may be Ward and Newsom this year, right now. Um, this is going to be a tough defensive-led battle, in my opinion. Uh, I do think there might be a chance, or if you are worried San Francisco comes out sluggish, uh, even if they do, let's say, come out and they only score 10 points in the first quarter. Um, one, that would be their lowest output the entire year. <laughs> but also, two, uh, this offense has yet to not score. They have scored on every single opening drive They've had the ball. They have, what, five games so far this year, being 5-0. and <laughs> um, But in their five games, they have scored on every single first drive they've had. And in four of those five drives, they put up touchdowns. They have scored 31 points, a league-leading 31 points on first drives this year. So uh, I get there's concern and worry of a slow start for San Francisco, but... It almost feels as if that might be their best chance to get the, the Browns, like the Cowboys, on their heels. Um, this is a game where even if you put up 17 points, let's say the Browns defense plays just perfect football, uh, Ben don't break, but just the Niners offense is too good and the Browns defense, or the Browns offense, excuse me, is just too banged up and playing poorly to really want to make me give them a chance. Now, if there is any way... The Browns win this game. 
Deshaun Watson has to play, for one. Um, but two, this is going to be one of those games, if the Browns want a chance or even have a chance, it's a game where San Francisco gets sloppy, block, block Purdy, Brock Purdy throws a pick, or someone like Debo or Kittle fumble the football. Um, we have seen San Francisco's uh, teams before come out and just have that one really flat game. Um, I'm not expecting that, but if there is going to be a chance for the Browns, it's going to be because San Francisco's offense plays sloppy uh, and is giving the ball away, which I don't expect to happen. Brock Purdy this year is, I believe, 11 for one when it comes to touchdown to turnover differential um, and has thrown no picks so far, knocking on wood this year. And it's not it's not like Cleveland takes the ball away. So I don't want to sit here and say it's going to be a boat race or going to be all San Francisco. This game is going to be, you know, it's going to be a slugfest. It's going to be two strong defenses uh, wanting to assert their dominance. Uh, now, thankfully for San Francisco, they have the offense to answer the number one defense in football. And again, if San Francisco's offense puts up 30 points against the number one defense in back-to-back weeks, I mean, <laughs> um, what a joke that'll be. Um, it'll almost be as if the Niners are untouchable and will only improve their stock when it comes to Brock Purdy's MVP ranking or the belief fans have in him. Um, there are still some people who get to buy into them. I, I don't understand it. Um, they are going to be in the dance when it comes to playoffs and likely have a top four spot locked up in the entire playoffs. But again, long season to go. Um, when you hear players like George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk and, and others talk about, you know, they know they had to get off to a hot start this year to make things easier for them late in the year. They want that number one seed. And I said last week after the the Cowboys game that every single team they face in their way is a stepping stone to that number one seed. Um, this team wants to go undefeated. They want to go 17-0 in the regular season, and they want to finish, what, 21-0 when it's all said and done. They want this team wants to win the freaking Pro Bowl. <laughs> um when it's all like they don't want to play in it, but they want to win it still. <laughs> um they want to win every game they step foot on the field in and this week seems like no different now. Yes, they are coming up on a three-game stretch of not having Nick Chubb, Watson, Joel Batoni, and maybe even David Njoku this week uh, against the Vikings. Next week, uh, no Justin Jefferson, and even two weeks from now against the Bengals, uh, one week prior to the bye week, maybe even no T. Higgins or a, a calf injury-hindered Joe Burrow. So they are facing three straight weeks of potential injuries on their side. Um, want all those players to get healthy, mind you, but San Francisco cannot come out and take these teams lightly. Um, I don't think they will. Their mindset seems to be kill, kill, kill. Um, or if you're if you're a Metallica fan, seek and destroy. <laughs> um, this feels like San Francisco almost just saying we, we don't care who's in our way. And there are areas where Shanahan's offense can exploit this Browns defense and for as bad as the for as bad as the Browns offense has played, um, this could be a great game to improve their defensive stock uh, once it's all said and done and that clock hits zero. Um, so my prediction didn't give one last week, gave it on the Instagram. I said 26-20 against the Cowboys last week. Um, that obviously proven 
to be a low ball <laughs> Uh, effort uh, prediction when it came to the final score of that game being 42 to 10. Um, I do want to give the Browns defense a little more credit here, knowing the history that Jim Schwartz and Shanahan have against each other. So I'll say 26 to 13 Niners win. Um, I do think they continue to roll and I do think they advance to six and zero on the year. Uh, I believe coming back home against the Vikings, I could be wrong there. Um, I know they play a home game one of the next three weeks, um, but week six in Cleveland's our focus. It's their focus. It's my focus. So who cares <laughs> when it comes to against the Vikings and the Bengals in two weeks, but uh, going to be a fun one. Early game, 10 o'clock start, um, 10 a.m. Pacific start, mind you. Um, so rest up, uh, get ready for another duke it out brawl of a game and this is another Micah Parsons, Nick Bosa. Now it's Nick Bosa against Miles Garrett. This is another defensive edge elite face-off. It's another Micah, uh, excuse me, Miles Garrett and Trent Williams face-off. This is another elite defense superstar versus superstar matchup. And if Brock Purdy beats the number two defense in football for two weeks in a row, my goodness, that stock is going to go up 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 and we're going to start having a true serious mvp top five quarterback conversation which has already started but it's going to continue if it happens again my prediction 26 to 13 san francisco wins we're praying and hoping for 30 we're hoping to continue brocktoberfest in the month of brocktober let's advance to 3-0 this month and continue the brocktober celebration all the way until the bye week, week number nine of the season. We're 5 0 right now, looking at 6 0 if they can take care of business in Cleveland on Sunday. Uh, don't forget to follow us on social media at 49ers.access is the Instagram, 49ers underscore access is the Twitter. You can also use our promo code 49ersaccess, 49ERSACCESS at SeatGeek.com to save yourself $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek.com. Doesn't matter if it's football, baseball, basketball, concerts, Niner games, or others. Doesn't have to be at Levi Stadium. It can be anywhere in the entire country. Use that promo code and save yourself some money. It'll help pay for your parking, and you can support the show in the meantime. You can also use our Fanatics link up above or down below and buy some merch and support the show as well. But if that's too much, no big deal. If you like, share, and subscribe the video, hope you loved this deep dive into Sunday into all the stats and how the Niners can actually win on Sunday and what can give them fits when it comes to playing the Browns. Um, leave a like. Share, subscribe, tell your friends, leave a review on the podcasting platforms, Spotify and Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen, leave a review, it helps the show, give us five stars, doesn't matter what you put in there, you can put in your game prediction, you can say this show stinks, just give us five stars, it helps the show climb the rankings and climbs the ratings, that way we can build the faithful in this community. My name is Sterling Bennett saying thank you for watching. Thank you for listening and thank you for like, sharing, and subscribing. Until next time, my name is Sterling Bennett hoping for a 6-0 start and stay faithful.